As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Today we talked with Chris Lucas, the VP of Marketing at Formstack. What'd you guys think? This was um, really good. He, he dug into some of the metrics, uh, which which I love, is people interacting with their content and then turning into paid customers. And he talked about some of the timelines uh, to which they were kind of lead scoring each one and how many touch points until they converted to a paid customer. So that was really interesting. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, they also, you know, they started off with a lot of generalists on the marketing side. And over time, they started to hire people who were specialists in PPC and SEO and so on. So it was interesting to learn about how their hiring has changed over time and and how they use analytics to track how different roles are performing. So let's get into it. 
Rocketship is proudly supported by Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. Go to bench.co forward slash rocketship to get 20% off 20% off your first six months today. Today. <laughs> Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocket ship. All right. So Chris, tell us a bit about Formstack. Yeah. So Formstack is, uh, so we are a lead collection platform. So basically what we do is we help uh, organizations collect more leads via an online form. Um, so people who are driving leads, whether they're through paid search, um, advertising campaigns, uh, they use our forms to collect that information. And then we have strong analytics to show you uh, where those leads came from, what campaigns are converting well. And then really on the optimized piece, uh, how do you optimize your form for better conversions? So you can see through field bottlenecks where people are falling off on your forms um, and you can A-B test forms and things like that. So really it's around how do we gather more leads um, uh, to an online form? And, and that's the, the problem that we're solving at Formstack. Very cool. So, and you guys have been around for about nine years, right? Yes. Yep. And I, I understand you came in during year one. Um, tell me a bit about what your role looked like then. Yeah, so when I started, uh, we were still a consulting company and we had the product on the side. And I was really the first one who was brought in to focus on uh, how do we get traction around the product, right? There was there was a little bit of just organic traction. People were signing up and we had a website and uh, kind of back in the freemium days. So people were signing up for free and ultimately converting to a paid uh, to a paid plan. But I was really brought in to say, hey, we, we think we've got something from a product standpoint. How do we generate um, PR around it? How do we do search engine optimization? How do we do pay-per-click advertising? And really, I was, uh, like many folks, when you're starting that young and that early in a company, it was, let's do a bunch of things and see what works and see what sticks. Cool. Well, and so what ended up kind of sticking for you guys? What, what, was the, what were some of the channels that worked early on? So really, it was, it was amazing how, uh, how easy SEO was back then. And I, uh. I, I say that a little bit um, tongue-in-cheek, but really, I mean, if you think about nine years ago, people were really understanding the power of search, right? And um, before it was kind of generating eyeballs through expensive advertising and so banner, a lot of banner ads. Um, and so when I came in, it was how do we just get some relatively quick PR wins? And so a lot of it was uh, let's do some product reviews. Let's go to uh, you know the Mashables of the world. And that was when Mashable was just coming up and they were still doing product reviews. Let's go to huh. uh, a bunch of bloggers who are in this. And at that time, we were kind of serving the small business space. Um, and so we went to a lot of small business blogs and just said, hey, we have a really cool product. We think it helps small businesses get work done. Um, can we get a review? And that was, that was kind of the easy way of just getting some, some PR out there, which ultimately helped the SEO. And then, and, and then we started to add you know, blogging and, and content around it. And it was before we knew what content marketing was. We just said, you know what, if we, if we put up a, 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 a page or a blog post around best WordPress uh, forms, we could rank pretty high for that. And so 
we started doing a lot of that and just experimenting. If we wrote blog posts around certain topics, could we rank or could we not rank? I mean, so really that was our first foray. And, and again, I, I knew a little bit about search, but it was nothing that uh, I was no SEO expert at the time at, at all. <clears throat> so how did you kind of educate yourself on what worked and what didn't? Oh, goodness. Just a ton of reading. Um, I, I think I read every blog out there. Um, you know, SEO Moz at the time, or Moz was SEO Moz at the time, uh, and uh, Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Watch, all of those things were uh, really on the forefront, even uh, old publications like Clixie. I'm, I'm probably dating myself um, <laughs> with a lot of these publications, but but really, it was just a lot of learning and, and a lot of just reading what other people were doing. And and we also grew up at a cool time when companies like MailChimp and FreshBooks and all of those folks uh, were kind of coming up as well. Um, and so it was uh, watching what they were doing, watching what was successful for other startup uh, software companies, software as a service companies, and saying, how do I apply this to my business and how do I make this work in, in my space? And so it was cool to grow up in a time when a lot of these software tools like that um, were growing uh, we're we're getting started and really gaining traction. So things have obviously changed a lot uh, in the past eight, nine, ten years. Uh, not only in terms of what works and and uh, how easy SEO is, but also in terms of your team and your size and the scale at which you're trying to grow. So I'm curious what you do now, what things work for you, and how you've kind of evolved as the channels have evolved. Yeah, I mean, so for. For uh, a lot of things, I mean, for paid search specifically, at one point we were running lots of paid search. We actually, at uh, about three or four years ago, we just killed our paid search entirely. Um, we weren't really understanding if it was working or not, and so we killed it. And we said, if if we can't get into this black black box that is paid search, and we don't understand how it's working for us, let's just kill it and see what happens. And it was one of the most interesting times because we all. The day that we decided that, the next day we were like, oh, great, you know, is half the business going to go away? And what we found is that we'd, we'd created kind of this, uh, this brand and this SEO value around the website. And so when we killed ser- paid search, it didn't really uh, affect us too much. It affected us immediately, but it, it didn't affect us. And so what it forced us to do was really get smart and understand how to measure things. And so we, we started to understand search a little, or paid search a little bit more and said, what are the things that we can do to put in place to better track this? And so we worked with uh, kind of better UTM tracking codes and really put some processes in place and back end to really understand what campaigns were converting at a better rate. Um, and then from the SEO side, we really we shifted, as I mentioned, um, the content marketing. We really shifted into how do we do content marketing, but do content marketing that measures, uh, that, that we can measure, right? And so uh, now we track things through, we use a system uh, called Pardot, um, which many people are probably familiar with. And we have Salesforce on the back end of that. That's something that we never would have even thought of, you know, even three years ago, is how long once somebody downloads a piece of content, does it take them to ultimately uh, score or kind of grade themselves up or request a demo or do something that says, hey, I'm really interested. I'm not just looking at a piece of content. So really the systems and the process have changed that we measure a whole lot more. We understand what is what are the things that people are actively doing on the website and how are they engaging on the, on the website. But a lot of that was building out the systems and the process to better understand that. Because um, I think that's one thing that we realized without measuring things, we were We knew some things were generally working. We didn't know how well. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Now, back to the show. How, what, what is the average time that you're seeing for conversion from the blog to a paid customer? Well, so it's funny. Um, so we have some pieces. So what we found is we, we have a couple of really um, big kind of content pieces. So we have a form conversion report that we put out every year. And what we found was that was about 30 days from um, somebody downloading on a demo or I want to request. Some of our smaller eBooks, we find uh, there's uh, 45 to even 100 days out. Um, but it's amazing how, many, how long people will kind of stick with your brand. And it goes to the you know, people are doing research. They've done 60% of the research before they actually land on your website. And that what we found to be true is people download content way before they're actually ready to buy. And so as we're starting to track that, we can see, you know, those smaller pieces are those pieces, those people who are just kind of researching content. And those bigger pieces are probably people who have more intent to buy because they're more interested in what you're, that story you're telling in that big content piece. Interesting. And then how many touch points are there in between? Like, is it download and then nothing? Or are, are they like reading other articles? No, they're definitely reading other articles. And the okay. way that we do it is we kind of score based on activity on the website. So uh, interest on in a pricing page, if they go to our pricing page, that score is a bit higher. Um, but along the way, so there, I think I'd have to double check our, our numbers, but I think it's like four or five different touch points after they download a piece of content. So they come in and they generally look at our features page, um, try to understand it, you know, as the features, they look at our pricing page, then they'll read the blog, then they'll come back and look at pricing. And that's when we start to say, okay, this, this person has high intent. How do we, uh, how do we have them reach out? And so we have a couple calls to action for either demo or trial. Um, and if they click demo, then we have a salesperson contact them right away. So you mentioned that you're tracking all these different things in Pardot, even down to what kind of content people are looking at on the site. What are you looking for in that? Or are there trends that you actually see? Because it seems like when you track that much, you would just see a bunch of random behavior viewing this blog post and then that one and then maybe buying six months later and everybody would be totally different. Is there something you're looking for specifically? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, real briefly, so we we used to... uh, for for many years, we kind of served the, the small business, and we were really focused on form stack being a form building tool. And it was kind of a Swiss Army knife of you could do event registrations, you could do surveys. Well, that's changed in the last twelve months. And I talk about our digital marketing focus, um, or yeah, in the last twelve to eighteen months. And so, as we're looking at the, a lot of the data that we are looking at, and specific, specifically from content, we're trying to figure out. Where does somebody who's interested in digital marketing and using our product the way that we're kind of repositioning it now for the digital marketer? What do what content are they interested in? Um, what is the what is the type of content? So we write everything from kind of conversion rate optimization content to um, better analytics and, and analyzing um, Google AdWords and Google campaigns. And so what we're trying to identify is what is that what's that buyer who's in digital marketing? And we've built a persona called Daniel. 
Um, and so what we're trying to do is really nail in, do, is the person that we, th- we call Daniel, is that the right, um, is that persona correct? So are they interested in digital marketing content? Are they specifically looking at content that is around PPC advertising and search cam- paid search campaigns? Um, and then we're looking at kind of the, the types of, uh, titles and the, uh, the companies that we've kind of said, this is what we think Daniel works for. Is that, is that accurate? And so we're really trying to nail the persona that we've kind of built based on user, uh, customer interviews and things like that to really say, okay, at, from a marketing perspective, can we, can we start to dial in on who this Daniel person is in the real world? And can we start to build out that actual persona? And so that's really what we're trying to dig at from a data perspective is, um, can we be better? Cause then what we can do is say, okay, this person generally follows this path or this, gen- this person is generally interested in this type of content and then we can kind of begin to serve it up at the right time in the right place. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to get to. Ultimately, we're not there yet, but um, it's, it's, it's part of that science and, uh, that is, that's really kind of become part of marketing now. So essentially what you're doing is kind of creating verticals within the, your own product um, and personas around those verticals. Yeah, yeah. In some way, though, we're trying to create a broader platform around digital marketing. So the verticals um, uh, will still be there, but it is generally saying here's here's a digital marketing platform, and then what kind of buyers kind of fit into that digital marketing space, if that makes sense. And do you change within the product how people interact on their way in based on the the persona that they match? Not yet. I mean, that's something that we're definitely looking into. Part of our part of our challenge is just scaling our team and, and scaling our development. So, uh, probably our marketing team is is and just by sheer size, uh, we're slightly ahead of our um, product team. And so, we're trying to catch up on a product side to to better kind of serve some of those. But we're we're starting to better understand that on a product side is what is what are the features if they are interested in this type of content. Are they actually using these features? And that's that's part of what our product team is working on is is building out that stuff on the back end as well. Yeah, that's very cool. And it's usually the case. I think marketing is a little bit ahead of the product most of the time. Um, but I'd like to hear about kind of how you grew the team um, and bringing on specialists over the last like eight years um, from kind of handling all different aspects to. Uh, bringing on people to to kind of focus on SEO or or content. Um, how did you do that to build it up to what I believe is fourteen now? Yeah, yeah. So um, really, one it, it took a huge. Uh, well, not a huge, but it, to to us, it was a huge moment. Um, at the time, I was really the only one doing marketing, and we sat down one day and put up a white on a whiteboard. We said, "What are the things that we're all." that we're doing from a marketing perspective. And we ended up writing 15 major things that we were kind of doing. And so it was webinars, it was paid search, it was SEO, but it was a long list of 15 things. And we said, realistically, how many are we actually good at? And we said maybe one or two, um, you know, because you're trying to do all of these things. And that was the aha moment for us that mm. we said, we really need to have somebody else. And so uh, what, I, what we did is we actually hired two people um, because I said, one of the things that we have to be good about is understanding if we can hire two people, what are the, at this early stage, can we have them kind of specialize in two general areas? And so we went out and find a, found a bit of a generalist in kind of PR and general marketing, I'll call it. And she was really good at writing, 
understood PR at its basics, um, and understood kind of SEO from a, a bare minimum. Um, and so she was able to kind of handle all of that side of the house. And then we found somebody who was a bit more analytical. Um, and so he was able to come in and help us with our paid search campaigns and really driving some more technical uh, understanding of what we were doing on a marketing side. And so some of the analytics and Google analytics and things like that. And so we kind of paired that that content at the time we weren't calling it a content person, but that content plus the analytical and paid search side. And so that was the really the first hire. Um, and I like to, there's an old post that Jason Fried wrote um, uh, of 37 Signals, and it was in a, a long, long time ago. He wrote a, a, a blog post about uh, don't hire until you've actually done the job so you understand what it takes to get that job done. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it was, I kind of, I remember reading that and saying, okay, I understand the basics of all these 12 to 15 things that we're doing, but how do I hire somebody to start to begin to do some of these? Um, and so those two people were really the first iteration of that. And then it was really a scale problem, right? Once you got to a point where PPC took up 90% of our time, it was like, okay, we need somebody who actually goes and really understands PPC to the core because we understand that it's driving X amount of leads, X amount of trials a month. Um, and so we know that we should have somebody uh, focused on that. To kind of growing where we are today, really we took that generalist mentality and, and we started to say, okay, what are the specialists that we need to, to really understand the business? And because we because data is just so, I mean, data is everywhere, and if we don't understand it, um, you know, we're we're going to be continued operating in a black box. And so, what we've done is we've built out a a performance marketing team. What is what we call it? Um, and really, it's three people around content, and so they're working alongside our demand gen team. One person specifically around SEO, one person specifically around paid search, and then we have a strategic person that sits on top of that team. Um, and then we have an analytics and operations team that runs our systems and processes. So we, I mentioned Pardot, um, and we've got an RJ Metrics that runs behind us. So they're specialists in those systems. Um, and then on the, the other content pieces, we have a webinar. Um, we found that webinars scale really well. We're able to drive a lot of highly qualified leads out of webinars. And so we've got somebody who's focused on that. So we've kind of built out this team. Once we understood the basics of SEO, content, paid search, those big kind of buckets of marketing, we said, okay, what are the specialists that really need to hone in on these? And that's kind of how we've, we've structured and built the team out now. Interesting. How do you hire um, without, you know, like what kind of questions are you asking uh, someone who's, who's kind of honed in on one aspect to know that they're going to be a good candidate? Yeah, so our, our interview process is actually pretty rigorous. We have um, a multi-stage process. So the first uh, first time we, we have a HR person, um, a, we call it team talent, and they go and do the first phone screen. And there's some criteria that we say, this is kind of check for these things and also check for some, some basic understanding of, uh, of who we are, what do we do, all those kinds of things. Um, and then the biggest thing that we found um, to be helpful in this is we, pr- we give everybody a project. And so uh, if it's around paid search, we give them, we say, here's a challenge. We've got a $500,000 budget, uh, and that's not really our budget, but uh, <laughs> here's a $500,000 budget. Tell me or tell us and, and kind of the old math, show your work. How would you scale this budget knowing what you know about our company 
and kind of show us what is what would your expected return on investment be, right? Okay. Um, and that really helps us to get a feel for, do they understand what paid search is? Do they understand where they can spend their money? Do they understand how to allocate dollars? And then can they specifically say, here's my expected return? And we give them some criteria. We'll say, you know, we see average click-through rates between 3 and 5%, or we see okay. this much, uh, our conversion rate from traffic to trial is... 10% or whatever. And so we give them some metrics just so they can get this, the project started. And then we walk through it with them. And that really helps us understand, okay, do you understand paid search at its core? Um, and if you can explain it, and again, because I understand it at a high level now, I've not been in a PPC campaign for a couple of years now, um, but I know the questions to ask. And if they can explain it to me, then I understand, I get a better understanding of, of their true knowledge. Um, and we do that for you know, we hired an analyst and we said, break down, uh, we gave them a, some traffic information and some uh, customer information and built a project around that. And so we're, and we do that from a developer standpoint, we have them do API projects. So really it's just a matching of understanding uh, their skill sets with the project that we give them. Um, but that's, that's been one thing that we found to be real key in, in the hiring process. How do you prepare the analytics team to know what to be tracking? Are they paired up with with the product team to understand what the goals are and, and what you want customers to be achieving? Uh, we're not that advanced yet. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those things that we're trying to get to. The, the analytics team really is serving all of the marketing teams at this point. Um, we, we just actually hired another product analyst, so they're going to be starting to work with our marketing analysts a lot more. Um, to date, our analysts has really been focused on what are the KPIs for paid search or content or SEO, and then how do I deliver that information to them on top of the revenue and kind of performance metrics that we have as an organization. So new MRR, new monthly recurring revenue, what is that number and how does that tie back into their specific areas? So those are really the, the indicators that we've used thus far. But now that we're building out more product um, and have a product analyst, those those people will be talking a lot more. So then we can start to tie in that that product knowledge um, with the with the marketing knowledge. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Can you let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Formstack online? Yes, yes. So uh, online, we're at formstack.com. You can find us on Twitter at formstack. Um, me specifically, I am uh, at Chris underscore C underscore Lucas on Twitter. That's a terrible name, but I'll have to tell you my Twitter name some other, or my Twitter story some other time. Um, but there, and then I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, uh, Chris Lucas. So uh, you can definitely find me uh, lots of different places. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And if you'd like a transcription of this show, we have now partnered with Jot Engine, who does some fantastic transcriptions. So you can go to rocketship.fm and check out this episode's show page, and there'll be a link for the transcription. And if you'd like to get a transcription yourself, go to jotengine.com and sign up.